Welcome back to the OpFag cast, and this is a very special episode, ladies and gentlemen, because this is the end of the year of our Lord, 2015. Actually, it's the beginning of 2016 because we're a little bit behind schedule here, but the point stands. We're going to be recapping our favorite shit from 2015. Uh, With me today, I've got Adam Myros. Hello, Steve. Stephen Coleman. I think my favorite shit was after Thanksgiving. That was a good one, right? That's a good one. Yeah. I, uh, I actually I swallowed the wishbone, and that one came out the wrong way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got Sean Glynis here with me. In the words of my favorite neighbor, Heidi Ho. And Jake Trapila. Good evening. How's it going, Jake? Pretty good. How are you, Steve? Pretty good. You know, for a guy with a cold, you're actually, I think you're one of those guys who gets a cold, and then girls are like, wow, your voice sounds really hot today. Well, let's ever, uh, make this cold? interesting, shall or we? You, yeah. or, or like you get braces and then people are like, sweet, dude. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Your smile is just, just glowing. Radiates the sun. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Uh, so, hey, you know, before we even get started, I want to tell everybody out there, too, very special announcement coming your way soon. The first big optimism vaccine thing of 2016. We have another beer article for you. This is going to be really big. In fact, it's so big that we drank almost twice as much beer as last time, which was a horrible mistake. So, yeah, look forward to that. Anyways, gentlemen, let's start with movies because, uh, you know, even though we're sort of a catch-all pop culture podcast, we tend to, uh, we, we tend to veer towards the movies more often than not. Um, except I didn't really see a lot of movies this year. I only saw one movie that I really, 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 really loved and was completely over the moon about. And maybe I'll see more before Oscar season, but uh, I absolutely love Mad Max, and I don't think anything, anything can come close to touching it. Uh, Fury Road? Uh, well, yeah, Fury Road, Fury Road. No, I'm actually, I, I saw the 1979 version for the first time. Yeah, the, okay. <laughs> no. Just making sure, because this is about 2015. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, God. Do I have to get rid of this, this, uh, this disco white dancing suit thing that I bought? Because, you know, that's, that's a hilarious 1970s <laughs> I was, joke. I was wondering why you got a perm the other day. <laughs> These things come back around, Steve. Could be, that could be the look. It could be the next big thing. That's one thing I've learned. If I'm unfashionable for long enough, suddenly I'm cool. Um, Mad Max really blew me away, not only because, well, actually, I'd say more so than any reason why was because this is the rare movie where I it just it had so much buildup, so much anticipation, and in, my, in the back of my head, there was a little voice that was saying, there's no way this can possibly be as good as you think it's going to be, and then it was just as good, if not better, just Absolutely fucking amazing, just balls out action movie. And for the love of God, it was made by someone who was like older than my grandfather. What are you on? Just a geriatric corpse. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's just like, well, you know, I, I just, I, I just, well, I don't understand why you want to put me in the front of your car and then just you know, drain the blood out of me. It just, it doesn't make any sense. And then you, you, you don't keep talking. It's, it's, it's so European. Well, you know, he he writes women well. He does, he does. <laughs> what, this guy, he just wants to keep a harem of women? Is this a Fellini film? Is that what this is? <laughs> and scene. Uh, Soon, ye. <laughs> ah. 
Jake, if yes, I'm sir. not mistaken, this was your favorite movie of 2015. Is that correct? Or am I mistaken? It, no, you are correct. It is uh, my favorite, too. I uh, saw it in theaters three times, I believe. Jesus. Uh, the one I went and re- revisited the most. Uh, it was just completely fun and incredible and amazing. And I, they just, you know, for those who say they don't make them like they used to, give Fury Road a shot because it's one of the best damn things to come around, um, you know, in cinemas lately. Uh, if I were to throw a follow-up film, because mm-hmm. uh, Fury Road is so good, I would pick Sicario as Sicario. probably my second favorite a film. A bold choice. You know, this is the year that they made a remake of Poltergeist, you know. So I, I can't believe Sicario is your number two. No, I didn't even see that. Um, <laughs> don't don't but, do that. <laughs> but it's still a respectable number 17, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's in my top 30,000. But, um, yeah, Sicario uh, was really impressive, and I only saw it once, but I wish I had saw it multiple times, um, because I really like the director, Denis Villeneuve. What I else has he done? His name's pronounced. He did Enemies, or Enemy and Prisoners, and a film called Incendies from a few years ago. He only does Pri- movies with one word in the title. Mm. Yeah. He doesn't need more words. And he also did Crash. <laughs> <laughs> the Cronenberg one. He ghost wrote that. So what what is Sicario about? I'm actually not that familiar with it other than from reading your article. Sicario is about, it's set like on the border of U.S. and Mexico, and it follows an idealistic DEA agent played by Emily Blunt, who is, she's put on this task force to um, basically get a, a drug lord out of Juarez, Mexico, and joining her team is uh, this advisor slash hitman played by Benicio del Toro. And everyone, just, there's just kind of like ambi- moral ambiguities all around. And it's just kind of like this nightmare that Emily Blunt is thrust in. And, you know, it's, she often finds herself, I don't know, gasping for air. And it's, it's like, it's just such a hellish world that this director creates. And it's, it's so beautifully shot. Roger Deakins' cinematography is oh, he's wow. outstanding. Um, so I would definitely give that uh, rents if you haven't seen it. Okay, well, because just from the just from the synopsis, if I mm-hmm. didn't know any better, I would say this was either like it, it sounds like something like this could be a Michael Bay movie if it was dumb. Right. But this is like so it's kind of like a smarter version of this is about as smart as most procedural dramas get. Okay, yeah, right, it sounds yeah. a lot like um, a documentary that's been shortlisted. That I didn't watch specifically because of what it's about called Cartel Land, but oh, um, yeah. <clears throat> I can um, attest to Sicario's merit. Um, it's just really like moody and um, like Jake mentioned, um, cinematography is really really nice. But um, Prisoners, his last movie, was also like super moody and just really well done. But um, there's something about this too that the moral ambiguity is just kind of like um, make it even more attractive. I think. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're talking about that, too, because, you know, it seems, as much as I'd love to just sit here and gush about Mad Max for an hour, uh, one, if you go back through the archives, Optimism Vaccine superfans, uh, we have an entire episode dedicated to us gushing about Mad Max. Um, except for me. Except for you, because you're a fucking curmudgeon. Yeah. Uh, grandma's just sitting in the corner smoking his cigarettes and grumbling. <laughs> Uh, Adam Myros. Old Grey Gardens. Yeah, old Grey Gardens Myros over here. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Myros hyphen Beal. But yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we're talking about Sicario because, I mean, not only have we already talked about this movie a lot, uh, this movie being Mad Max, 
Um, but I feel like a lot of people have talked about it at this point. There's not much that you can really say about it that hasn't been said a million times other than it's, it's, it's really fucking cool, guys. Go see it. Uh, but yeah, Sicario, that's a, that's a great choice, and it's something I'm definitely going to check out soon. Well, hopefully it's a great choice. Maybe I'll hate it, and then I'll have some, uh, some harsh words for you, Jake. I can't wait. I, I, yeah, I'll check out his, uh, his other movie. We mentioned Prisoners, but yeah, Enemy with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, if, you, if we're talking, uh, I know we were joking and linking him to Cronenberg, but Enemy is kind of a modern, uh, vintage Cronenberg-type film. It was stripped down, really a cool movie. Oh, all yeah. right. I'll check that out, too. Why, you guys are giving me all kinds of stuff to add to my uh, super long list of shit that I need to watch. And with Enemy, you get two Jake Gyllenhaals for the price of one. Oh, my God. Sign me up. Real dead ringer. Real (laughs) 12-pack. Hey. (laughs) Lay those boys down. I'm going to eat sushi off their chest. Am I right? (laughs) Isn't that what you do? Isn't that what you do with pretty boys? Uh, what was the best what was the best movie that you saw in 2015 uh i'm gonna go along a similar line of mad max i guess because it was kind of the year of the reboot sequel uh and well i guess it's the decade of that because looking at next year's slate is kind of terrifying on that front but uh creed i just uh i haven't seen a lot of the big guns but i just saw creed last week and uh was really impressed with it because it kind of did a lot of the same things you're seeing with the the new Star Wars and the new Jurassic Park, and where it just kind of took the kernel of the original movie and updated mm-hmm. it. But Creed actually did it uh, exceptionally well, and uh, was a really really good movie that uh, was very heartfelt. And yeah, I, I what, I'd be hard pressed to name someone who wouldn't like it. But. What what what's so? Can you speak a little bit more to what's so good about it? I don't doubt it, but um, I guess I've just heard that it's good. Uh, I mean, it it's not like gonna shock you in any way. It is really reminiscent of the original Rocky, but it's just mm-hmm. I don't know. It's got an authenticity to it, and its story just it feels less like it's just content to uh, rest on the the franchise's laurels, and it, it actually tells a new story of a. Uh, different character that is it feels like a real person and not uh, some of these rocky cartoons and uh sure. yeah it, it's got some really impressive technical stuff too like one of the first yeah. fight scenes is one of the better boxing scenes i've ever seen yeah, yeah I, and I, I, I can back you up and also it has a uh, an excellent performance from stallone if you if you've given up on him he really pulls through this one Indeed, well, yeah. i've always been a I've, I've always been a big mj fan so i'll check it out yeah. <laughs> uh, with well, I think it's good that you brought up that it's not cartoonish because I mean, obviously, past maybe I, I guess you could say Rocky Two is not that cartoonish, but three, four, and five are just ridiculously cartoonish, and at least three and four are kind of entertaining. Uh, and then the Rocky movie that came out was it like two thousand eight? Is that about right? Six, six, a little bit older than that. Okay, wow, that was ten years ago. Yeah. Jesus, but yeah, like yeah. Stallone looks like a, a you know a wrinkled old bag uh, on steroids. I, I like that movie. Like I thought it was it was fine to sit through and stuff. I obviously haven't gone back and watched it since I saw it in the theater. Um, I guess, but it, it still kind of fits into that cartoony mold because you're watching a guy who looks like he's 150, like legitimately having a boxing match, which didn't. It's it's not right. realistic. And it had that. It was definitely felt like a Stallone movie too. Cause it had that horrible song throughout the whole thing. It's just mm-hmm. like take it back, 
and it just played like ad nauseum throughout the whole fucking movie. Uh, but this God. is this is the work of you know a, a new up and coming filmmaker. A guy did uh, the Fruitvale Station, and uh, yeah, it, it actually is a movie and not just a, a Stallone movie. That's good. That's that's and that's another one too, along with Sicario, where if somebody didn't say, "Hey, you should really go and see this," like nothing would really compel me to get, go out of my way to see a new Rocky movie in 2015. <laughs> Right. I'll say this. I was expecting to hate it, and I loved it. That's how good it is. Nice. Yeah. Uh, hey, Steve Coleman, you see mm-hmm. any shit this year? I did. <laughs> is it any good shit? Uh, besides the one I took this morning. Oh, <laughs> just just a little, little, little scatological humor there for you. I'm a scat man. How many times can we tell this joke? Oh, <laughs> just you wait. Um. Uh, yeah, I, I saw a few films this year. Um, I'm going to go with uh, for my favorite film of 2015, the documentary Tig. Okay, Ooh, that's a Netflix one, right? <laughs> yeah, and um, I know that that kind of maybe makes it seem like a bit of a left field choice, just because it wasn't really released theatrically. I know they showed it at Wait, Sundance what? and stuff, but that's from the same studio that brought you Ridiculous Six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. one. Can you believe it? <laughs> it's a happy Madison production. <laughs> yeah, Tig is a happy Madison production. It's <laughs> Adam Sandler's just really one of the good guys. He is. Don't you love, uh, always the, said that don't you love when the golf ball hits the screen and it cracks? Mm-hmm. And the guy says, you get, terrific. you get the laughs rolling before the credits. Yeah, I actually, I think that's as far <laughs> as we got when we turned on Ridiculous 6. <laughs> 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 Actually, we, we, we went through that, and then we got through Adam Sandler and Redface, and then we were just like, okay, <laughs> pack it up. We're done. See you later, Chief J. Strongbow. Oh, <laughs> that's a good wrestling joke. Nice job. Mm-hmm. That's a hilarious wrestling joke for anyone who watched wrestling in 1982. Yeah. Hey. All right, so, so tell us about Tig, Steve. So Tig is uh, the documentary about comedian Tig Notaro. Um, follows her post uh um, breast cancer diagnosis and just dealing with the aftermath of that. She also um, suffered from C. diff right before that. She's also mourning the loss of her mother. Um, so just piles and piles and piles of shit that have just been heaped onto her. Her girlfriend leaves her. Um, and it's just following her getting back into stand-up comedy and just following her getting back to a normal routine, just trying to live a normal happy life in the face of a lot of adversity and uh there's a pretty interesting narrative that flows through the movie as well like we see a relationship between her and uh now wife blossom and uh i don't know like Malin it really no <laughs> <laughs> not not the titular oh, blossom oh okay yeah, cuz i said blossom <laughs> jesus <laughs> <laughs> um, but but what yeah. you're saying is this is a movie about cancer and a dead mom and it's hilarious. Uh, no, it's <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Except for like obviously the stand-up comedy yeah. parts, but uh, it's a really good look into her life and just to kind of experience what she went through. I mean, it for me it was like the most affecting movie that I saw this year personally, mm-hmm. um, and. Yeah, it's great. I mean, there's a lot of really good documentaries about comedians like practicing their craft and like trying to figure out 
where to go if they're like changing their set lists and stuff like comedian with Jerry Seinfeld is an example but uh this one is much better cuz it has a lot more heart and uh there aren't any appearances from uh Bill Cosby. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, Tig um <clears throat> Tig also like the titular um is just like she has like this emanating personality that you just want to like spend time with and uh especially like when her it it shows like the budding relationship between her and her partner Stephanie um it's just like this really beautiful thing. It's not like a complex Thing. It's really straightforward, I guess, for the most part, but it's just like really nice to watch happen. Yeah, you really sort of gain a relationship <laughs> with Tig, as ridiculous as that maybe sounds. But yeah, um, yeah it, it's done very well. And I mean, just you're going through all the things she already went through, and then in real time, you she's trying to uh, become pregnant, and it's just. I don't know. I won't spoil it if you haven't yeah, seen that. it, but it's just yeah. I was I was really surprised when I watched uh, Tig. I actually I just turned it on on a whim, and I thought it was just going to be a stand up special. And I was just like, oh, she's been on Comedy Bang Bang, and she's got a funny, dry sense of humor. I bet this will be amusing. And then it was not <laughs> a stand up special at all, and I was just like, oh shit. Uh, but yeah, it was it was really cool. Like you really, I don't know, you don't get to see that side of a comedian really that often um especially someone who's gone through everything that she's gone through so yeah it was it was a really cool movie i like yeah, that one. I, I had a similar experience with it steve where like i turned it on at like midnight because like i was like oh, i'll just put something on because i'm bored and gonna fall asleep soon and ended up at like 1 30 with like tears rolling down my face <laughs> well, that's what you get trying to yeah. get your chuckles on and fall asleep not gonna happen <laughs> not gonna happen uh hey uh, adam myros you, did, you, did you see any movies what I I don't yeah. I, I don't care, uh, Sean. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, <laughs> remember that movie uh, Creed? I think we, we might have Wait, oh fuck! Creed. You already said Creed. <laughs> Shit! I thought. Okay, sorry. I had a I had a, a thing. Sorry. I gotta start keeping track of things better. This is a real professional operation. You know what? I don't I don't really care about anything you have to say. I I actually ignored. I I was uh, I muted muted the whole thing that, when you were talking. Is that is that one of your creeds? Yeah. Uh, that was that's one of my creeds. Uh, it's also my New Year's resolution is continue to uh, stop listening whenever Adam Myers talks. Hey, Sean, did you did you did you see did you see any movies? Yeah, yeah, actually, um, <clears throat> Coleman gave me a really nice segue in that uh, my choice is is not only a documentary, but it's a documentary about a comedian, and it's not exactly about his craft. Um, <clears throat> the film I chose is called Call Me Lucky. Uh, it's Bobcat Goldthwait's new film. Um, and it's about Barry Crimmins, who was a pioneer of the Boston comedy scene in the eighties. And it's sort of like, it starts out being like just about this mysterious, like enigmatic guy who used to be famous in a certain, um, I guess, uh, circle. And you're sort of like wondering like, okay, like what else is going on? Like we get it. Um, and then it like takes this hard right to talking about his um, childhood and how he was a survivor of childhood rape and oh, yeah. <clears throat> and basically how he is like, and he also like grew up in the, in the, um, under like Catholicism and, and uh, was like treated really poorly by a priest. And um, so he's sort of like, dedicated his his life and his platform and his personality to um uh just like raging against those negative forces um in like really smart ways Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> sorry. And um, you better be. <laughs> um, it it gets like really like really emotional and cathartic, and like mm-hmm. there's like a point where like he like volunteers to like go visit the basement where his childhood rape happened. Oh, and Jesus Christ. <clears throat> which is like a real testament to the, to like his character. Like um, you're seeing somebody who's like willing to like take on the, like the most evil forces in his life and just like as an adult and um, deal with them and see what comes of that as like a smart person with a head on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's like this really cool part in the movie where it talks about how, in 1995, like when AOL came out, he um, <clears throat> was on the forefront of like entrapping these like skis bags who used the internet as a place to traffic child porn. And he would just like hole up in his room and just keep getting more and more information that um, he could use against them. And then he basically like litigated against AOL. And it's just a really like Jesus. cool and important. <laughs> And emotional story and Bobcat um, deals with it really well. Yeah, which is if you would have told me like 15 years ago that that Bobcat would be making some of my favorite movies of the last decade, like I, I would I would not have believed you at all. Yeah, I have he no has idea. an interesting um, uh, catalog and I, I was talking to Myros about this too and this one fits in like it fits in with it but like you sort of have to like – find the, the the strand i guess that connects but it's like it's very dark but there's always a heart there you know yeah absolutely absolutely uh and i i always just thought he was the guy at the funny voice but hey he makes right. really good movies uh well let's uh let's keep things moving along here we got a lot of shit to cover uh yeah. so television uh that's a thing that people watch I didn't. I don't watch a lot of fucking TV. I I did. I didn't watch. Yeah, you know that's. I you know I I would like to nominate myself for best segue of 2015 with the one I just did. Um, I I didn't watch a lot of TV outside of the usual shit. Uh, one thing I did watch though. What is the usual shit? The usual the shit you're supposed to watch. Like 60 minutes. Yeah, you know. Watch watch the morning news. No. Um. There's a lot of shit you're supposed to watch. No, I, I watched. I, I it's watched. a really great season to meet the press this year. <laughs> Have you watched any N- NCIS, Steve? No, actually, yeah, I had to for work. I had to watch NCIS New Orleans for work. Uh, which you know, anyone who no. says my job isn't difficult, I mean, that's the, that's probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, but yeah, anyways. I just I watch the things that I need to to have conversations for this podcast and with you know people. Uh, so you know, I watch the Orange is the New Black. I watch uh, you know Making a Murderer, things like things of that nature. But the one thing that I saw, and Sean Glennis, thank you for uh, forcing me to get back into the show. <laughs> I would say the episode Hero <laughs> from the show Nathan for you is without question one of the greatest things I've ever watched in my entire life. It's just absolutely phenomenal. If you're not familiar with the show, basically there's this guy and he, uh, he uses the fact that he's got a business degree from Canada to create kind of this like faux reality show almost where he says he's going to help these businesses when in fact he just makes them do goofy things that sort of help them in a way, kind of. 
But it's always interesting because with each episode, you think you know what's going to happen, but then it just defies all of your expectations. So in the episode Hero, he decides that he doesn't want to help a business. He wants to help a person who's like a complete fucking loser uh, be a, a, a hero. So <laughs> he finds this guy who like lives with his parents and is just like a total schlub. And he, before the episode even airs, for like nine months or something, he trains to be a tightrope walker. <laughs> and then he finds this schlub and then has a, like an Oscar nominated or Oscar award winning special effects artist create like a mold of this guy. And like without the guy even knowing, he becomes the guy and then sets up this giant stunt where he does a tightrope walk for breast cancer. And it's just, it's mind-blowing. Like, all the moving pieces in this show, and particularly this episode, I, I don't even know how he does anything. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it's, yeah, the, it's, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. The way yeah. that he's able to orchestrate reality to work for not only, like, humor and whatever, but also, like, this narrative that's thrown, like, throughout the series is just, like, fascinating and unlike anything I think we've really seen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just like little details in that episode. Like, I mean, the way people react to him is what gets me the most. most of like <laughs> he goes on a date with a woman and then she, like, how could she not recognize that it's a different person? Yeah. He doesn't look like the guy. He looks kind of like a Frankenstein. <laughs> and, I love you, uh, Jasmine. <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason, they just swap it out. And it, it's like people don't even recognize it when they're standing a foot away from them and you know having intimate contact it's just the most bizarre surreal stuff like we were i wrote uh, about the earlier season episode uh smokers allowed which might have been my favorite uh episode of television from the year but it's not what i'll be talking about but uh yeah just this season of that show is so remarkable it's a yeah. great pick yeah it doesn't it doesn't make any sense i don't know how he does anything and the the number of times that like I don't know. There's got to be a ton of things on the cutting room floor, things that didn't work out quite right. But holy shit, I, I just I'm in awe of the show. I've never, never seen anything like it before. Uh, one one detail I liked in that episode is where he also had to have the guy stay out in this trailer in the middle of the desert for two weeks. Um, <laughs> so he in a bucket and eaten and fucking Alfredo pasta. <laughs> From and Market he, Pantry. Before he asked him what his favorite movie was, and he said Tommy Boy, and he left him a DVD of Tommy Boy. <laughs> the Holy like, Schneiky edition. Yeah, yeah I else. have that DVD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, uh, you, ready, you ready to do this? He's like, well, I guess we got everything set up. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, Gosh, yeah, that's a good pick. That's a really that's sort great of show. the Mad Max, I think, of TV for us. I, I think so. That's one thing that everybody can agree on. Like, how can you watch that and not be like, "This is this is beautiful. This is everything." Yeah, uh, Myros, you said you really liked this episode and uh, an episode from earlier in the season. Why? Why wasn't this your top pick? What was? What was your uh, your favorite TV moment of 2015? Well, I mean, I kind of went out of bent over backwards to leave a few things off of my uh, TV article we wrote uh for december but uh you know so i wanted to talk about something that uh, didn't qualify but is still probably my favorite thing of the year which was the americans which uh for whatever reason fx kind of became king of the mountain in my mind for tv this year they kind of handled this ratcheting tension throughout several of their shows kind of better than anyone and i think they've overtaken the likes of hbo and 
Americans is a show about uh, Soviet spies embedded in kind of suburban America in the 80s. And uh, it uh, is fantastic. Uh, It has some of the best music cues you'll ever hear in a TV show. And it's just uh, great performances all around. And there were a couple episodes of that this year that were just like beyond anything. Uh, As far as what I've seen this year, I I think they had two that would have been uh, one, two on my my favorite episodes this year but that season in general is, is kind of where i was headed i just well and you're the authoritative I, voice because you literally watched everything if i watched almost nothing you watched literally everything yeah i i've kind of devoted myself to catching up on tv the last couple of years and uh, i have seen pretty much all there is to see uh from this year and for my money go with the americans it's uh it, yeah, the, I think the best, the, if I had to pick a standout episode, it's probably Do Male Robots Dream of Electric Sheep, which kind of just goes into this, uh, just the absurd lengths they have to go to. And, and it kind of makes this these spy games really personal, and it makes it kind of a, a one-on-one thing about dealing with, you know, confronting someone you're going to murder. And it, it's just really intense and awful yeah, and wonderful. I, I, <laughs> I haven't seen the third season yet, but um, what I've what I've liked quite a bit about what I've seen is that it uses like this allegory. It uses like a really exciting allegory to talk about, or I, I guess I should say like it's it's an allegory at times about marriage, but like the the veil that it puts on, like this stuff about um, espionage, is like super exciting too. So it's like exciting but like poignant concurrently. Yeah, absolutely, and. It it's a really remarkable show. I would I would say if you haven't seen it, uh, put it up on your list. Well, I'm glad you're pimping it out too because my friend Leah works on the show, but I've never actually watched it. So uh, really, what's yeah. he do? Uh, she is. I think she she oh, has some sort of production stuff. Uh, probably a production assistant. I'm guessing. I don't know. Oh, she always seen Never mind. Yeah, yeah. I've seen her on uh, Facebook or something. I think she does like set design. <laughs> yeah, set stuff. design. That makes sense. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> All right, she's not the lead actress. I don't give a shit about it. Yeah, she does like set design stuff. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Um, hey, that's a callback to uh, Comedian. It's like the best part of Comedian where Jerry Seinfeld um, orders a pie, uh, some apple pie, oh, and then <laughs> they, they come back and they're like, we don't have it. And he goes, oh, never mind. <laughs> Just cancel it. Cancel the whole goddamn thing. Uh, oh, shit. Who's up next? Sean, what do you got? Um, if I can't pick Nathan for you, I think... You can if you want um, to. I pick Mad Max. You can, you, we can double up. We can tag team this. I, I, I want to stick up for, for HBO's Togetherness, which actually oh, nice. came out like a year ago now. So um, it's I guess hopefully that says something that um, a show that's like a year old... Um, really sticks out for me uh amongst the the amazing field of good tv but um togetherness is just this like um it's part of this newer wave of like 30 minute dramas um there are comedic elements to it but it's clearly like more um dramatic or more interested in in the drama Mm -hmm. but um it's a both a suburban comedy drama and also like a, a, a relational comedy drama between sing, singles. Um, and it's, uh, I think it's like, it's a Duplass Brothers thing, but it's 
far better than any movie I've seen of theirs. Um, it just progresses in this really super, super bittersweet, bittersweet way, which um, is almost like it anxiety driven, driven at times, but um, really well watched or really worth watching. And um, the finale of that show is just like crushing. Oh, yeah. Something to look forward to. <laughs> That's another one I haven't watched at all, but it's it's on my long list of shit to do. So and season two premieres in a few weeks, I think. Oh my god! I better really? catch up. Is it streaming yeah. on anything? Can I can I watch yeah, this? Yeah, HBO. HBO. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, streaming directly to my torrent downloader. No, I, I wouldn't do that. We ever. don't do that. We don't do that. No. No, that's just absolutely you not. You wouldn't steal a car. No. <laughs> Why would you steal the TV show if you would Which not steal the car? Which is Maybe I would steal a car. Yeah, I've always said that. Like When I when I think back of out, of out of all the music that I've stolen over the years, uh, I've been stealing music for a very, very long time. And if I think so, of all the music I've stolen, and if, if you're a, a, a person who bust people for this uh this is this is all hypothetical situation uh, you know i i've never i've i've only we've only gotten in trouble one time and that's when my college roommate uh he downloaded opposites attract by paul abdul and uh <laughs> he got he got caught and they sent uh, a letter to the college the isp sent a letter to the college it's just like hey the person from this ip address is is illegally stealing music he stole fucking opposites attract uh, so he had to write a letter to Paula Abdul apologizing. That was his punishment. What, what about what and, about the cartoon cat? In the well, video? no, that that's the thing. He he actually he almost got in more trouble. He had to back out of it because he asked if he had to also write a letter to DJ Scat Cat. Who? Is- <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's MC 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 Scat Cat. I'm sorry, my wow. my mistake. He did not. Scat Cat Scat Cat did not did not receive a letter. I always said that uh, I, you know, if if there was no possibility of prosecution and uh, I wasn't really taking it from anyone, of course I'd steal a goddamn car. Yeah, I, I I would agree. Like if I could seriously sit in my underwear and just click on a car and it wouldn't really hurt anyone, I'd just get a car. I I would do that. I would have a lot that's of cars. A, that's a really good point because there's also like the image of like somebody stealing a purse from a woman. These things are clearly not parallel. Exactly. You know? It's not like I'm stealing like yeah. Your fucking person, like pictures of your children and shit. Um, but that that that's a much better story than my um, the only story I have, which is when a, fr- a friend or acquaintance of mine got Fourth Coast Cafe in Kalamazoo in trouble for downloading music there. Oh yeah, uh, what the the GM at the uh, at the radio station at WIDR, uh, he. <laughs> I had to cover a shift for him because he got in huge trouble because he downloaded like all of the wire at Fourth Coast, and they <laughs> there's, there's there's a few issues with that. <laughs> Don't do that, kids. Don't download TV series at coffee shops. Uh, <laughs> this is I think I'm going to do that from now on. You could, you, yeah, you could because no one, yeah, if no one would know you, especially if you do it at, like one, like go to Starbucks. What are they going to do? Bulletproof, <laughs> starring Adam Sandler, mm-hmm. Damon Wayans. Yeah. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Uh, Jake, how about you? What's your pick? I'm going to go along with the trend that uh, Adam said. And uh, uh, there's a lot of TV show kind of like you, uh, Cuff, where I kind of watch just because I've already started it and I just continue like uh, House of Cards and Orange is the New Black and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought Mad Men had a really good uh, final season. But the one new show I discovered, it actually started airing last year and continued this year, uh, was Fargo. 
Oh. And Fargo, I was kind of like Creed. I had this sort of I, – I, I was very hesitant about watching it because I'm like, how can you take one of the best Coen Brothers films and make a series out of it? Why would you do that? But it has continued to impress me every time I watch it, and it is such a well-written, well-acted, well-made series. I cannot highly recommend it enough. If you're looking for something – it's on Hulu, I think. Oh. Season one is at least – um, but if you're looking for something, it is just absolutely brilliant um, to watch. All right, then. So, yeah, Fargo's. Yeah, that's another one that I was hesitant about because I'm like, why would anybody make this? There's no reason to have a Fargo TV series. Yeah, yeah. season two is really interesting. Like, I was kind of a grump about season one. I could never get past that whole, like, uh, why does this exist? Like, uh, oh, And yeah. it didn't help that Martin Freeman was doing, like, the exact same William get H. Macy out. thing. So I was a grump about it, but I liked it. And season two, like, evolved so much to me. Like, it was such a perfect, like, Cohen pastiche. All the stuff they worked in from all their various works is it, it's oh, such yeah. an interesting series and accomplishment as a series. Uh, the season two is, like, I, I like season one. Don't get me wrong. I was a little grumpy about it. But uh, season two you is, like, grumpy? Next, next level. Next level. Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't imagine Adam Myros as a grumpy curmudgeon. But that's good. I'm glad you liked it. Um, Jake, I'm really glad that you mentioned Mad Men because I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about how amazing that second half of the last season was because it was. It was just really, really great television. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, of course, I also um, agree with Nathan for you. That's uh, just a brilliant show as well. Um, one show I just started watching on Netflix, which is actually really good so far, is uh, Aziz Ansari's Master of None. Oh, mm-hmm. that yeah. show is that was a good one. really good. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And hey, Steve Coleman, was that actually going to be your thing? Were you going to talk about that, Master Nun? Uh, it wasn't going to be. I mean, it definitely could be. <laughs> I just, I assumed that it was going to uh, be. That's a really great show. I really liked it. It, it was like Louis, but not as cynical. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that show. Um, there's a lot of TV that I love this year, and I mean, as we know, it was a peak TV year. Yeah. Hey, Steve, uh, Steve, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, podcast co-hosts that I love this year, but I think I love you the most. <laughs> don't don't tell the other guys. <laughs> well, like oh. master of one, <sighs> master of my heart. Go ahead, Steve. But yeah. But yeah, master of none was great. I'm everything you guys have been talking about. I totally agree with. I especially am happy that Sean mentioned togetherness because I thought that that was an excellent series, and I'm excited for the second season. Uh, I'm going to go with a bit of a left field choice that I don't think a lot of people know about. And if they know about, it seems like a lot of people hated it. Uh, but it was the, yeah, Raw. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, SmackDown. SmackDown. Uh, Thursday night, baby. Where are you at? But uh, uh, <laughs> my serious choice, though, is um, a show called Happy-ish, which aired on Showtime back this past spring and it had a sort of a complicated history because it was uh, originally going to be philip seymour hoffman's first tv project he was going to be the play the lead character oh really and uh yeah so this is like the one thing he wanted to do so i think there's already a little bit of backlash before it even aired saying like well why Mm -hmm. would they continue if he's not doing it anymore Um, didn't didn't the av club take a dump on this show Oh, they did. They they yeah. eviscerated it. Yeah. yeah, they hated it. And I thought that they were, like, really, I don't know, like, very unfair in their assessment. Um, there's definitely certain things about the series that didn't work. Um, by the way, Steve Coogan wound up replacing Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh. 
And I think a lot of people, a lot of the con- reviews I've read, they complain like, well, can't you just imagine what Philip Seymour Hoffman would have done with this role? And that's true, but I think it's pretty clear that they had to rewrite this character. So it's not Steve Coogan doing Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, uh, that's oh. and just Steve ridiculous. Coogan is fantastic. He's great. Yeah. yeah, and I thought he did a really good, a really great job. I think uh, Catherine Hahn, who plays his wife, is fantastic. I usually like her and even things I don't like. Um, and yeah, it, 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 the show stars Steve Coogan as like the main character. He's an ad guy who lives in Woodstock, New York with his family, but he commutes to New York every day. And there's sort of like a typical narrative of just like letting work kind of put you in the grind and not being happy, but realizing why you're doing things that don't make you happy. It's because you go home and you have a kid that you love and you have a wife that you love like the family dynamic of the show is surprisingly like very positive like a really close loving family and but it's not cloying either like the show has a very cynical edge to it which i think turns a lot of people off but i think i thought was great uh they're really hard on the uh, advertising industry (laughs) for sure hey hey don't knock it till you try it all right (laughs) um (laughs) But and there were certain uh, things I didn't like about it. Like a lot of the episodes, like usually Steve Coogan or Catherine Hahn or both of them in one episode will have like hallucinations or like dream sequences. Um, and some are great, some are kind of awful. Like actually, the first episode, uh, Steve Coogan fucks uh, Mrs. Keebler. Yeah. Yep. That was a little <laughs> – and I kind of was like, Wait, uh, I don't uh, know if I could do this. The the oh. titular Keebler from, from yes. the cookies? Yep. yep. Oh, like an E.L. fudge that he's just like sticking <sighs> his little English dick in? Yeah. Well, I like the whole – one of the arcs of the season is that he's trying to write a new camp ad campaign for Keebler, and they're turning the elves from cartoons into live-action actors. Oh. Um, with Rob Reiner directing the first of like a few short web series videos. Oh God, <laughs> it's 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 really good. I thought it was a great show, um, it, despite some of the flaws. But I expect that they would have like ironed those things out if it would have gotten a second season, and it didn't. Um, I think the show ends well enough where at least there's a little bit of closure not that it really needed any closure Mm -hmm. but i think it's worth checking out and i think anybody who kind of was like quick to dismiss it should give it another shot um i thought all the acting was great i thought that the stories were very good Uh, i thought it looked really good and i really enjoyed it a lot nice i'm glad you brought that up it's put it on my radar uh i I mean i was interested in it at first because i i did know the history and i also am a huge coogan fan but uh yeah i think the av club had it rated as the worst series of the year so uh yeah the least uh, essential television in 2015 which is surprising because especially in a year where we got rob schneider on fucking netflix yeah (laughs) that's true that is very true there's a rob schneider show on netflix I was uh, definitely someone who uh, was apprehensive about the show. Like, I mean, I didn't give it the most fair shot. I think I watched like maybe a little over one episode. But and I'm the biggest like Coogan fan I know, and he definitely isn't the problem with the that first episode. But um, yeah, maybe I'll give it another shot as well. All right. 
All right, boys, we're going to move wait, along wait, here. Can I, can I give a quick oh, honorable boy, mention? Look at we this. didn't talk we're, about... We're trying we to keep the ball rolling. I'm, you know, it's Stop. Fine. Go ahead. We didn't talk about any broadcast television, and I just want to say that Blackish Season 2 was phenomenal. Oh, I, th- I thought you were going to say uh, The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> no, season 27. Season 2, if you aren't watching Blackish, you should, and the first two episodes of Season 2 are just like just amazing. That's a good. That's a good point. I think. Yeah. Well, that's weird that we didn't m- mention any network television. But I think if you're going to watch a network show, that's that's a good bet. Uh, uh, unless unless you want another good one. What's what? that? The Carmichael Show with Gerard Carmichael. Oh, okay. I didn't even know. What were you going to say, Miles? I was going to say if you're going to watch a network show, you should probably just watch Hannibal and be done with it. Yeah, Hannibal's a good choice too. <laughs> Hannibal's great. Oh my god, Hannibal's so good. Especially you know, the uh, halfway through season one, it's really growing on me. Oh, you just wait. Wait till you yeah. get. It, it kind of sags a little bit, and then as soon as you hit the first episode of season two, it's like an Italian slasher movie. It's it's beautiful. Well, that's season three. Oh, season, season three. three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's what I meant. Yeah. Anyway, it's great. Keep going. Um, and and you know, like Sean said earlier, uh, Sean said that you know the Big Bang Theory really is the mash of uh, for millennials. So I'm Bazinga. Glad that you that. yeah, there you go. There's your line. <laughs> There's that funny word you always say. It's so funny when he says it. The the, the word, Bazinga. There it is again. It. Oh my god, it's it's better the second time, isn't it? <laughs> I was wondering where it got that from. I I yeah. This guy, this guy, he's like a sponge. He just soaks it up. Anyway, let's talk about music that because is like the <laughs> essence of the extra. <laughs> The, what is what is the saying in extras that they like commodify? You have a laugh. Yeah, have a laugh. That is bazinga. Okay, moving on. Oh, what isn't bazinga these days, Myros? <laughs> what I want to know: What was your favorite Boz Skaggs album of 2015? <laughs> uh, no. Don't ask me about music. Well, I, why don't you Why don't you ask me what my favorite Boz Skaggs album was of 2015? Steve, what was your favorite Boz Skaggs album? I don't know. You know, there's quite a few things to choose from. I mean, uh, there's Who's the Boz? Um, his <laughs> cover of the Malcolm in the Middle theme song, You're Not the Boz of Me. Um, <laughs> I, I, mighty, I, Mighty Boz Tone? Yeah, that's his ska record. That's really good. <laughs> the ska so, is going to be big. Boz does the Boz tribute to Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's good. I, that is Boz my... over Baghdad. Boz over Baghdad. <laughs> which people said they were like they're like Boz Skaggs. I don't know if you can do a hip hop crossover album. And he's just like, watch me. I'm Boz Skaggs. What about that band Boston? Boston. Oh yeah. That's great. Boston. Love Boston. <laughs> we're officially reaching here. <laughs> that, I, I don't know. Boston's pretty good. Okay. Uh yeah, you you don't get to talk about album. You don't get to talk about about album Maros. That's that's good. I don't think I've listened to a single album. From is, wait, is your favorite album the Ennio Morricone score of Hateful Eight? I haven't listened. Oh jeez. That's just <sighs> just missing out. <laughs> hey, I'm going to tell you what my favorite album was in 2015. Uh it was D'Angelo and the Vanguard, which is weird because it's 2015. And I'm a 30 year old white guy who's telling you that D'Angelo put out the best record in 2015. And you didn't even get to see his abs. I did not get to see his abs and with the rotating camera and all that shit. No, it's I, I, this. The album does not make sense. It's like this crazy, like funk neo soul something. It's like a time capsule out of the 1970s. It's it's an album that like Parliament wishes they could have made if they decided to get serious <laughs> and stop doing so much fucking coke. Um, it's really good. 
I'm just going to leave it at that. It's just it's great. If you have even a passing interest in funk or soul music, if the idea of D'Angelo is kind of like, you're like, what the fuck? No, no, no. Just just listen to it. Trust me. It's excellent. Super even you dense, might right? like it, Adam Myros, curmudgeon. It's super dense. Yeah, really dense. It's it's heavy, man. It's heavy. Uh, Sean, what, what about you? What was your favorite album this year? <clears throat> Um, I listened to a lot. Um, I li- like the the albums that I listened to most were probably like like Drake and the Weekend, and I really appreciated Joanna Newsom's record. But I think the one that I had the most like meaningful time with was surprisingly the Jamie XX record in color. Um, so Jamie XX of the titular XX band. <clears throat> Um, which is sort of just like this, I don't know. Uh, it's like a really glossy kind of dance pop record, really. It, oh, In Color is? Yeah. Yeah. So, but like he distanced himself from like this, the XX sound, except for like maybe one or two songs. Yeah, but, the XX um, sounds like if if there was like a 90s teenagers indie band. Sex. Yeah, like teenagers having sex and moms in the other room or like, a 90s indie band who are practicing in a basement somewhere and the neighbors keep calling the cops and complaining, so I have to play really quiet. <laughs> I always, yeah, I always say, like, it's kind of embarrassing to listen to either the XX or the Weekend in public, but um, uh, not not because it's not good music, but because it's so forward and it's um, sexual mm-hmm. nature. But just, anyway. just like me, baby. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I can't go in public with you, Steve. I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, Jamie XX, XX is in color is like this really weird album that uh, it also should not work. Um, it's like an amalgam of like eight different styles, but it's just really, really interesting. And um, like there's a rap song on it and there's just like EDM sounds and DJ stuff. And basically it just makes for this really perfect headphone album. So if you just like want to take a walk around the city, just put on like nice headphones and listen to this album. And it's like just great. It's like you're the main character in lost in translation. How does, how does it compare to the soundtrack to we are your friends? Uh, it's basically like, so I think We Are Your Friends is, um, that's the biopic of Jamie XX. That must right? be it. I think that's it. And it's got Zac Efron's apps. That's all you need. Um, no, that's that's a good pick. I think you can actually, you can actually watch videos of Jamie XX just like playing, like just DJing parties and basically like he takes off his abs and Robert, Robert De Niro shows up and they play golf and um, <laughs> he takes, he takes off his abs. He peels his skin sorry, from his body. A, Have you ever seen Hellraiser? He's kind of like an Robbie uncle Williams Frank. Music video? <laughs> he, there's a VCR that comes out of it. Uh, no, um, he pulls up. Yeah, no, the, the joke's gone, but you know, but that's okay because this is like literally the ninth time we've talked about another man's abdominal muscles today. So that's kind of the underlying theme. <laughs> uh, next we're going to reference so far. shit in a toilet bowl. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Jamie XX in color. Listen to it on headphones and yeah. Good choice. Steve Coleman. How about you? I'm going to go with, uh, Vi and return to the moon, which is their debut album. Uh, but debut meaning that it is, features Matt Berninger from The National, lead singer of The National, and 
the guy from Menomina whose name I keep forgetting. <laughs> All right, now um, you got you got to hard sell me on this because right now you're selling me indie dads. <laughs> I am. It's indie dads for sure, but it's um it's a really fun project. Like it's clearly like them sort of. I guess even in Matt Berninger's case, literally letting his hair down and kind of like it's not. <laughs> Moody and broody, like you're used to with the national, like it's like actually just like a fun pop rock record, and there's a lot of really interesting things that are happening too. Like there's a lot of like interesting like little samples that they throw into each song. Um, so like every time I listen to the album, I hear something new. Like every time. Huh. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say if I was gonna sell Steve on it, I would say that it's not self serious at all. Right. Yeah. yeah well, actually, I'm, I'm already it's... sold because I wasn't sold on it, and they were coming to town, and me and Steve were going to go and see them. So I, I listened to the album. I was like, "Oh, this is pretty good." And then it was sold out, so we just we didn't go. Yeah. Man. And hey, but, speaking uh, of uh, shows we didn't go to either, uh, the Icarus Line put out a great record this year, and uh, me and Steve didn't go and see them because they were opening for fucking Scott Wheeland. And then uh, he literally died like two days before they came to town anyway. So too soon. So he died too soon. Too soon. Yeah. Gone but not forgotten. Uh, Steve Scott Island said death before Milwaukee. Yeah, that's what he said. And it was true. It happened. Did he really say what are, what are you referencing? Scott Weiland is dead. He's dead. He's very dead. Ah, yeah, you may have heard. No, did he say – are you just making that up, death, before Milwaukee? Oh, yeah, yeah. I just made oh, that Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, he <laughs> well, said that. He, he it was a prophecy. Those were his last words in his tour bus by himself. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I heard I Courtney Love like, did it, though. I don't, I, I don't know if you guys have heard that one, but – I thought you were referencing like some real thing that he said in the past, and then I was going to make a documentary in the style of Soaked in Bleach or like, I don't know, any of these <laughs> 9-11 videos. Yeah, um, Sean, it's a, it's a Velvet Revolver song. You you never heard that one? That's <laughs> before Milwaukee. Hey, proudest moment of my life was when uh, I was at Bar Trivia and they had a section uh, of of the trivia where they played a song and you, had to, and you had to guess the name of the band and the song and they played a Velvet, Revol- that, a Velvet Revolver song, but I didn't know that and I was just like, man, this is some fucking dog shit. I bet this is what Velvet <laughs> Revolver sounds like. Like, I literally said that out loud and it was Velvet Revolver. <laughs> <laughs> so Velvet Revolver actually sounds like what you think they do. Like it just sounds wow. like just. Do they sound like Audio Slave? Because that's what I'm picturing. No, it sounds like the like bloated corpse of Guns and Roses, just like felching out horrible, horrible butt rock while Scott Weiland like shoots heroin between his fingernails and and just groans. <laughs> so better or worse than Chinese democracy? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, I'd probably take it over Chinese democracy. Okay. Democracy. Uh, okay, <laughs> that's a good choice, Steve Coleman. Jake, how about you? You got anything for us? Uh, I really did not listen to much music this year. Um, I just kind of cherry-picked a few albums from bands I did like, like Churches had a new album what I, that I liked. Ooh, good choice. And, uh, and, uh, and then I really dug, um, which I think, Adam, you put over a while back, John Carpenter's Lost Themes. Oh, yeah, that was uh, great. Uh, yeah, why don't you talk about one. that one, Myros? Oh, wait, I did listen to that. You Sorry. son but of a I, bitch. I, I'm trying I'll, to push I'll the narrative that I don't, uh, I don't listen to music. <laughs> Except That's for Boz Skaggs. That's right. Well, I'll let, you, I'll let you discuss it if you want, but the one I'm going to pick is Wire by Wire. And uh, Wire is a, one of my favorite bands. They were, I found out they were actually touring this year. And uh, when I went, and then I realized I discovered online, like with their set list, that it was just going to be on their new album. Um, so I was a little disappointed that I wouldn't be hearing some of their more classic songs in a concert. But I thought that their new stuff was actually really good live. And I went home and downloaded the album. Um, 
I'm excuse me. I bought it legally on iTunes, and <laughs> I uh, really, really, really enjoyed it. It's it's like there's not really a bad track. It's just a great one to listen to mm-hmm. all the way through. Just if you're you know passing time. Um, so yeah, if you like Wire, I'd recommend checking out the earlier stuff. And then this yeah. album is just as good. I think they um they're one of those weird bands that somehow you you could argue that maybe they got even better. I mean, they clearly evolved, but like when they got back together. Was it like fifteen years ago now, ten years ago? They they've Something put out like that. they've probably put out like three, four albums since then, and they're all really good. You know, oh, they're, yeah. they're not they're not like hipping with it, and you're not going to see Pitchfork like fucking jerking all over them. But they're really great records, and uh, yeah, like like you said too, their first three albums, Pink Flag, One Five Four, and Chairs Missing, I think. Uh, yep, they're all it. they're all like classics, absolutely mm-hmm. required listening. So. Yeah, start with those three and then check out the new stuff because it doesn't suck. And it, I which, mean, it probably should. Old people shouldn't make songs as as that as good as they do. <laughs> would you call it required listening? I I, I I would. Was that was that like a choir joke? Is that what you're going for there? What, required? Oh, required. I, okay, there's the wire. I hear it now. I wire hear it. there. That's that's that is the stretch of the century. Best stretch of 2015. <laughs> Sean Glynis. Um. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. Hey, you know what we should talk about? In the grand tradition of Adam Myros not talking about something because he you know, didn't really have anything to talk about, uh, why don't you guys each go around the circle and tell me what your favorite video game of 2015 was? Ooh, can I go first? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, 2K16. NBA, NBA 2K16. Yeah, there you go. You had one in your fucking back pocket. NBA. Oh, my God. Real cultural touchstone. Uh, geez, Steve Coleman, how about you? Uh, 2K16. <laughs> WWE. Ah, yeah. Hey. hey, there you go. Bazinga. Bazinga. Hey. <laughs> Big Bang Theory 22K. Oh, man. I bet there's like a Big Bang Theory mobile game. I bet there's one in the App Store. It's probably like a Candy Crush clone or uh, something. It's got to be. An endless runner uh-huh. where you, uh, you you run past all the bazingas. Um, I would have thought you'd have picked that uh, WWE Mortal Kombat thing that uh, you guys made me uh, sit through a commercial for. Oh, no, no, no. That entire pay-per-view was just a giant commercial for uh, WWE Mortal Kombat on your phone. Actually, you know, just brief aside here, the WWE actually did put out a really good mobile game this year, and it's not the the fake Mortal Kombat fighting game. It's uh, their card game that they put out. Did you play that at all, Steve? No. Uh, Shit, what is it called? I can't think of what it's called, but basically... You collect these cards and then you battle with people and they have different stats and then it's yeah, it's like playing Pokemon cards but with wrestlers, which is literally the lamest thing I've ever said in my entire life. <laughs> Holy shit. Um it's really like, good. Uh, it's WWE super addicting. The gathering. Yeah, it's like WWE the gathering. That's magical. I paid my magic rune against you, the rock. Um Okay. <laughs> Enough of that. Uh, Myros, what was your favorite video our, game? Our favorite apps of 2015. Yeah, what well, was your top? What was your top app? Mine was Yelp. Have you heard of Yelp? Oh, uh, that's helpful when you're looking for a good place to eat. It is. <laughs> you didn't uh, play video games, did uh, you? My favorite video game, uh, Borderlands 2. That came out like fucking five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jake, what do you what got, got for me? What do you got for me? Anything? Um, Throw me something. Agario. What the fuck is that? It's a game you can download on your phone at the App Store. It's you're a little colored ball, and you eat these little dots and grow bigger. And there's other players, and you have to try to swallow players bigger than or smaller than you, and avoid oh. the ones that are bigger than you. And as you grow and grow, you slow down, but you become more powerful. And then once you're, uh, and then you eat 
and try to be the biggest player on the map. Sounds like a Friday night, am I right? <laughs> okay, I didn't really play many video games this year. I didn't know no, this was no, going to be No, a... that was the joke. This is, I'm yeah. the only one who does. It's okay. Yeah, but no, I actually played this one. It's addicting. That's it's on good. my phone right now. Yeah. Uh, I'll actually check that out because I need something to play Ligario. on the bus. Yeah. Ligario. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to tell you. Okay, the best video game of 2015 was Downwell. You're not, I don't want any of you to play that because you're not going to like it. Um, <laughs> you can get it. It's on iOS. It's on. It, you can get it for your, your PC, for Mac, whatever. If you're listening to the podcast and you care about video games, play it. If you're, if you're any of these schmucks, don't bother. Uh, the reason I'm not going to tell you to is because it's not anything any of you will get into. But there is something that you can play, and I guarantee you guys will like. Um, and it's a game called Her Story. Are you, any of you familiar with this? I've talked about it on the podcast before. Yeah, yes. So basically, Does it have slam dunks? Uh, no, no slam dunks to my knowledge. Uh, there is no franchise mode. Unfamiliar. <laughs> so basically, the, it, it kind of falls in line with a lot of, uh, for some reason, like police serial stuff has become really popular in the past couple of years with obviously the podcast serial and now Makey Murder and you know, things like that. So this is basically the video game equivalent. And what you have is you have this like early 90s Windows PC and you're sitting at like a police terminal and you have all these files and some are video files and some of them are like written testimony and you're trying to solve this crime and you have to kind of sift through all these different clues and all of this, you know, testimony and interrogation footage and you have to figure out when is a person lying, when are they not lying, what should you believe and you have to try and solve this mystery. It's super addicting and it's the kind of difficult puzzles where like they're, they're, they're really smart so you feel like they're not impossible at any point, and you're constantly like you know taking notes and trying to figure out you know what are red herrings and what aren't. It's really really great. It's super engaging, and it's the kind of thing where I think you schmucks would like it, even though I know you, you don't play many video games. So do your old pal Steve a favor and give it a whirl. Her story. Her story. Her story. Look it up, man. It's good shit. I promise. Uh, and yeah, and if you want to play a cell phone game, uh, there's a game called 80 Days that's really good that you can play on your cell phone. And but I think that came out in 2014, so fuck that. All right, we're moving on. Let's talk about old shit. I want to know what did you guys discover in 2015 that did not come out in 2015? Anything in particular that really sticks out to you, uh, Steve Coleman? You wrote an entire article for OptimismVaccine.com that can be read on OptimismVaccine.com about your favorite retro pop culture from 2015. So I'm going to have you start. What's your top pick? My top pick would be the 1985 album Cupid and Psyche, 85 by Scritti Politti. Oh, my God. Scritti Politti. Mm -hmm. Now I want you to sell the audience here on why the fuck we should listen to Scritti Politti. Well, that's a hard sell, my friend. Uh, you know, well, let's work through this. Uh, <laughs> Scritti Politti, I think, is often dismissed as just like a group of new wave also rans, just like a one-hit wonder here in the States for sure. But um turns out like they have a really interesting history. And I actually got interested in this record just by um, reading a lot of literature. Like I've – like in grad school, like doing studies on like punk and post-punk and like how big they were in that scene 
And basically, Scritti Politi is led by this guy named Green Guardside. They're a DIY punk band in the late 70s. And then one day, he just kind of has a nervous breakdown, goes to live with his parents for a year. Then he comes back to his band. He's like, uh, guys, I want to start writing pop songs and R&B songs. And they just abandon him, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and he start, But he starts writing some really good pop songs and this is I mean of all their albums to go commercial this I don't think this was even like a platinum album but this is like their most commercial album it has the single Perfect Way on it which was a pretty big hit for them but god the record is just really good I mean every song in there is just he really knows the um, like the R&B pop aesthetic very well mm-hmm. and he's working with some really good musicians that know it really well too and like all the songs are just like super like danceable but like have a lot like a lot of his lyrics are very and I didn't expect this but they're um <laughs> very intellectual but not in a way that's like kind of you know pretentious and easy to dismiss like so he's it, it's, very, not, it's not Mars Volta gobbledygook then uh, yeah <laughs> definitely not no it's very um it's very literate it's very uh, he's very pro feminist and he sort of like really challenges like patriarchy oh, like, in never, a lot of his songs never mind that <laughs> <laughs> um so just like really great pop music with really good lyrics um it's I was blown away by this album. I've been listening to it nonstop, at least like through like streaming services. And then today, I actually today, I finally found it on vinyl. Oh, and uh, it's I mean, it's worth kind of even digging back into their catalog from like the late 70s to the early 80s. Um, There's not a lot of material that they have out there. Um, another reason I got into it too is because I was listening to the uh, Scott Ackerman podcast and Adam Scott podcast. Uh, you talking you two to me, and Scott Ackerman talks about how much he loves Gritty Politty, and I kind of laughed at first, but uh, I'm not laughing anymore. I get it. You get it. Uh, well, and I'm glad you brought them up because when you talk about bands that kind of get lumped in with new wave garbage, um, you and I did a podcast series on Tears for Fears. Which I thought I would walk away from still thinking Tears for Fears were kind of a joke and still giving you shit about. I really like Tears for Fears now. That's that's a weird thing for me to say, but uh, <laughs> I listened to Women in Chains twice today. We're- oh Jesus, I hate that song though. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible song. Terrible Top song. five dad song. Oh God. Uh, yeah, if your dad likes to snooze. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Oh no. <laughs> Now all the so Tears for Fears fans are gonna are gonna say mean things about me on on the Facebook page in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> they were just waiting for me to say it. Um, but yeah, that the, I I will actually I will take your word for it, Steve Coleman. I'm gonna listen to more Scritti Politti in 2016. <laughs> all right, uh, Miles, how about you? What do you got? Uh, you know, with all my uh, TV catch-up, plus I moved and had no access to media for a couple months there, uh, I'm kind of stuck between podcasts or a recent television so i'm going to reach all the way back into the archives for a uh 2014 television program uh transparent which i had oh. kind of been avoiding uh didn't appeal to me the creator is the writer on 
Six Feet Under and the United States of Terra. And uh, I'm not a big fan of Six Feet Under uh, and just the Diablo Cody uh, multiple personality thing. is just something I would never watch. So uh, I was kind of nervous about watching it and I found it to be really affecting. I was not I was very surprised by how <laughs> it affected me. I was it was, again, a lot like uh, they were talking about with togetherness is kind of the intrusion of mumblecore on uh, the television landscape, but it's kind of about awful dysfunctional people. But, uh, and yeah, the premise is that Jeffrey Tambor plays uh man, well, I guess a woman, but he uh, comes out as uh, transgender very late in life. And it's about how his family deals with it. And yeah, it, it's a really fascinating show and incredibly sad and touching and funny on occasion. So, uh, yeah, that, that was really the only thing from 2015. I had a chance to dive into that really affected me. Mm -hmm. Best boss skags back catalog song though. Uh, I don't know a single Boz Skaggs. How do you so not know a single Boz Skaggs? That's bullshit. I'm sure Jojo? I'd know it if I heard it, but what the hell is the name of a Boz Skaggs? Oh, my God. Jojo. Oh, there you go. That's one. How do you... Oh. Lowdown. Yeah, fucking Lowdown? That's a super <laughs> smash hit jam. <laughs> you know what? If, if William Roy Skaggs was here right now, he'd call you a real son of a bitch. Uh, have we established? I don't listen to much in the way of music. Yeah, I, I prefer the the sound of people talking or, or silence. Sound of silence. Yeah, that's okay too. Ooh, that wait, that's a Bob's Bob's song. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite ones. That's one of his best covers. Oh, <laughs> the only one Jesus. to top that cover is Disturbed. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to be playing the Lido Shuffle on repeat when I get done here. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm going to step away for one second, Steve, so don't throw it at me. Throw it to the next guy. Okay. I'll take it. All right. Yeah, go go ahead. Go ahead. He's got to well, go get his Boss Gags back catalog so he can try and play catch up here. I got to get it in order. Jeez. He's got to queue up the turntable. You know what? Um, he probably doesn't like the Steve Miller band either. Go ahead, Jake. I tried to do the whistle. Um, so while 2015 will always be the year that I discovered and became addicted to um, Walk the Dinosaur by Was Not Was, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to kind of cheat and uh, I'm going to pick my TV choice, which was Fargo, because technically it came out in 2014, but I didn't start Ooh. watching it until this year and I kind of wish I'd started watching it sooner. Uh, so if I can use Fargo as another answer, I'm going to go ahead and say that. If not, uh, Walk the Dinosaur by Was Not Was. Jake, Both excellent I, choices. If I didn't know any better, I'd say that you knew that we were singing Walk the Dinosaur throughout the last week. Yeah, really? Walk, yeah, Walk yeah. the Dinosaur and, uh, well, the, the cool jerk from, from Home Alone. <laughs> and then our, our big hit was, uh, what's what's that song from the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack, Steve? Oh, my gosh. The uh, Dead Eye Dick song. Yeah, Dead Eye Dick. What's the name New of the song, girl, though? New Age Girl. Yeah, New Age Girl by Dead Eye Dick. That's the ultimate <laughs> jam of the century, or let me tell you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Featuring the big line, she don't like the meat, but she sure <laughs> like <laughs> the bone. Oh. Is that sexual? I don't know. She's a pescatarian. Yeah, that's, that's important to note. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, we got to keep rolling here, boys. We're running out of time. 
Um, it's no a special episode. Podcast. It is. It is. Yeah. Okay, we're going to roll this, this next one into a twofer. Oh, can I participate in the last one? Uh, no. No, you can't. Oh, okay. No, yeah. Go, go ahead, so. Sean. Go ahead. <laughs> um, my uh, favorite piece of pop culture that I discovered from the year 2015 uh, would probably be the book by Roxane Gay, Bad Feminist. Um, not because it's like a monolith in the feminist canon. Um, I mean, it might be. It's quite good. But because I don't ever remember reading something so incessantly, like I was like reading it at work during breaks on my phone and like on the treadmill, just like all the time I, I wanted to be reading this book and it helps that it's like broken up into essays and there's also a lot to do with popular culture. Um, but also Roxanne Gay's writing had a, quite a large effect on how I perceive I want um, some of my own writing to be. So um, oh, that's nice. I would – yeah, I would I would check it out. Um, even if you're a men's rights activist, um, check it out just for the writing. <laughs> oh, okay. It's good. It's good Thanks. prose. It's good Thank prose. You. Yeah. That is our target audience. That is. It, the it, MRAs <laughs> love us. It's like Birth of a Nation. Like, it's shot really well. Oh, my God. My favorite <laughs> My favorite guy is, is guy in film class who argues that Birth of a Nation is shot really well. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. Triumph of the Will, Birth of a Nation, they're both in my top five. <laughs> Oh, Lord in heaven. Where does intolerance fit in? Oh, where doesn't it? Where doesn't it? I don't tolerate it anymore. The, their favorite film of 2015 is Concussion. <laughs> hey, it's my dad's. He sent me a text this morning. Oh, Lord. First of all, I gave them movie money for Christmas, my parents. And they spent it on I, Concussion? So far, they spent uh, oh, some God. of it on Concussion. Last night, my Divorce dad... your parents. Give your mom a Concussion. <laughs> My dad took a picture of the title screen, Concussion, presumably with the camera sound still on because he never turns it off. Um, <laughs> and then uh, in the morning, texted me the same picture, even though he sent it to me on Facebook as well. And I <laughs> said, really you know you hey, I said, hope you had fun. He said, good movie. That's the highest. Of that's that's, that's a pull quote. Is, yeah, is, is that going on the back Sean's of the, uh, the Blu-ray there? Sean's yeah, dad. It's a good movie. Good movie. Did you ask him to tell the truth? <laughs> I said, uh, these football players really aren't meant to play football, are they? You should have said, hey, did you know when you bang your head against somebody else's head that that can really fuck you up later in life? <laughs> Do we even watch football? Uh, no, never. <laughs> are there any jellyfish in that movie? Barbaric sport. <laughs> <laughs> seven, seven concussions. <laughs> <laughs> and then he solves and you know what he does he used to be able to solve a Rubik's Cube but then he played football for too long and he just he lost that ability <laughs> we need to do we need to do a serious Will Smith uh, podcast I was having this discussion with somebody recently uh, where like Let's do uh, it. Do, do you think, wait, like, wait, wait. Serious Will Smith movie, as in we have to watch all the serious Will Smith movies? Yes, we have to watch Ali, um, Concussion, uh, Pursuit of Happiness, and Seven Pounds. But um, do you hey. think – so Will Smith came out um, so bravely, yeah. so bravely like always, and said that he still has not yet watched a football game since watching – or since filming that movie because for some reason it took him – Filming a movie about it to know that it's terrible for people. But anyway. It's really bad. Um, Sean, is uh, Will Smith your least favorite pop culture item of 2015? We'll get to that in a second. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but um, 
Anyway, do you think? Do you guys think that like he regrets being Ali and advocating for boxing? Yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, is he watched a boxing match since Ali. Yeah, right. Ali is literally about people getting punched in the face. I <laughs> at least they're wearing helmets and concussion. I suppose they got that going for them. Yeah. Wow. Once he sh- once he once he um, shakes a makeshift brain in a jar of water. Oof. Mm-hmm. Also, I would argue, I would argue that Will Smith's probably most memorable line in in if you go through all the films that he's done is when he says welcome to earth and then proceeds to punch an alien in the head <laughs> can aliens get concussions i don't know he knocked that alien out then he dragged him to the desert what do you so, think why do, why do you what do you think killed him because he's dead that's why he's not in the new independence day what do you think what do you think that is well how do they rationalize that um shame cancer Guys, shame. <laughs> Murder suicide. Murder suicide. Too many concussions <laughs> from crashing the plane so much in, he in felt the so, original wait, Independence he, Day. He felt he so killed bad. Vivica A. Fox and yeah. the kid. Well, you know, there's he, that. There's he that. himself on his weight bench. <laughs> the, clearly, the answer is a jellyfish. It could be a jellyfish. Oh, my my other my other theory is I know there's that part of Independence Day where he's he's smoking the big cigar, you know, because he just killed the aliens and stuff. So probably lung cancer. You know, those are dangerous. Ooh, that's um, a good one. You know, or maybe oh. that virus they gave the aliens was contagious. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a computer virus they gave the aliens? <laughs> wow, we don't have to get bogged. They gave them malware. Here, right, let's not get into specifics. It's a Roland Emmerich movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Okay, well, you know, since we're talking about horrible things, let's let's roll this next one in into a twofer. We're going to talk about our our the worst piece of pop culture that we experienced in 2015. And on top of that, we're also going to talk about what do we think is something that's super popular right now in 2015 that's going to go away in the next five years. So I'd like to answer that first question: What's going away in the in the next five years? Um, and I'm going to vote for. Um, Milwaukee's longest-running independent newspaper, The Shepherd Express. Um, oh, yeah. It's a solid choice. It's, you know, uh, from what from what I've seen, the articles are just dreadful. It's poorly written. They don't promote things very well. Uh, I just, I don't see it lasting, personally. Sponsored content, baby. Yeah. Uh, and then the worst thing that I saw this year, I, I told, when I was talking about my video game that you guys should probably play, I mentioned a game that's essentially like a desktop simulator in a lot of ways. It's almost like you're, yeah, you're playing on like an old Windows 3.1 computer trying to solve this murder mystery. Uh, one example of a movie in 2015 that didn't transition very well to the big screen, uh, and it wasn't very good use of this kind of desktop aesthetic, is a movie called Unfriended, which did shockingly well with critics. I mean, it didn't do great, but it did way better than it should have. And I think a lot of people were just enamored by the concept of a movie that's literally about a Skype conversation. Like, right now, the difference between Unfriended and this podcast is <laughs> negligent. It's There's really not much of a difference. It is horrible. It is so painful to watch. So, so, so painful to watch. And it's not just the gimmick that gets old after 10 minutes, because, yeah, that's really annoying. But even if this were any other sort of movie like if this was a conventional slasher or something it would be just as bad it's the worst story it is literally a movie about a girl who pooped her pants and then killed herself (laughs) because she pooped her pants and now she's haunting computers which is crazy because like think of how many edits pooping her pants went through 
before then when they're like, yeah, she's got to poop her pants. That's got to happen. Like out of all the things that could drive you to suicide, pooping your pants. And they actually show the poop, which no, I, I it's suppose that was brave. I, it was brave. I've ventured to say the script had zero edits. Yeah, that's true. I guess somebody probably went, you know, if we use Skype, which is a free program, I can literally make you a movie for $20. Yeah. <laughs> and you, in three days. In three days. And it'll make like $50 million. I'm like, all right, deal. It's it's just it's cheap and it's the lowest form. Just when I thought like okay, found footage, maybe it'll start to go away, or maybe it'll find a way to like intelligently reinvent itself, or something will happen. It is just it has found new depths to stoop to. It is it, it, horrible, 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 painful to watch, embarrassing. Fuck unfriended, and fuck the Shepherd Express, Myros. <laughs> Damn it, Steve. <laughs> you took my answer. Wait, wait, your, your answer was also the Shepherd Express? Or no, Unfriended? No, found footage. But oh, found footage. Ahead. What found footage did you see? Boris, you're getting steamrolled here. We're not talking about you. Oh, uh, that's all right. None. I just don't think that it's going to be around in five years. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. I, I mean, it will be in, in some way, shape, or form. I don't think. In the same way, like, YA adaptations of, like, thrillers will be? Yeah, I don't think that stuff, it's not going to go away completely just because. Financially, it makes sense. I mean, the whole reason you make horror movies is because they're they're quick, they're cheap, and even if they're dog shit, you'll make money. So mm-hmm. if you can literally make a movie for a thousand dollars and then make millions, it, I mean, it makes sense. I just I don't see studios uh, going away from that because even if if a found footage movie opens like the fucking Gallows came out this year, and it probably opened number ten at the box office, but it still made its money back tenfold. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I think it'll still be around. Uh, yeah, it's not a trend in horror, I wouldn't say. I think it's it's just, it's here to stay. It's a horrible, pus-filled boil. Well, there's always a wreck. That was good, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. No, there's, there's good ones out there. There's good, good ones. Okay, Myros, what's your shit? What? Uh, we're up to me. Okay, I uh, saw, I happened to see half of this movie, and I think I got a brain tumor. Uh, Ricky and the Flash. What the fuck <laughs> is that? It's, uh, <laughs> Indeed. It's a uh, Meryl Streep movie uh, where she is like a aging rocker who plays in the <laughs> bar bands. And, is there a uh, less convincing aging rocker in the entire world? Is there Meryl anything Street? she can't do? Oh my God, Meryl! She, well, I'll tell Give you, she Oscar. can't sing. She cannot sing. Uh, yeah, it's just like an endless stream of bad bar songs uh, on what, and on. What's it called? And Mary and, and the Rockadoodle. What is it called? Ricky and the Flash. <laughs> okay. Mary and the Rockadoodle. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, it's Jonathan Demi. Uh, what? Yeah, it's Jonathan yeah. Demi. And I didn't know that. I didn't either. I looked it up after because I was like, God, this movie is dog shit. Who the hell directed this? And Jonathan Demi? I hardly know me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was... Demi, Jonathan Demi more? <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I mean, I like Jonathan Demi. Uh, he's a good director. But this movie is a fucking steaming pile of shit. And I just looked it up and uh, the writer is uh, Diablo Cody. So it's all, oh, it all makes sense. There we there go. go. And it all comes back around. <laughs> My friend's ex-wife. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You wrote that Juno movie about her. So, uh, yeah, 
fuck, don't see this movie ever. If it's on like HBO, just steer the fuck clear of it because, man, it, it's just so abrasive. And Meryl Streep can't sing, and the the entire movie is just like one shit bar song you never want to hear again mm-hmm. uh, after another. It's like going to the fucking up and under and on the wrong night back in college. It's just <laughs> like, oh, what the fuck is happening? Steve, Steve, tell your friend to tell his uh, his ex-wife to just stop. Just stop it. <laughs> just please stop it. Don't do that anymore. Uh, also, what's gonna go away? I, I'm a, I'm a going with the the video game movie because I saw the trailer for that Warcraft and it looks like the biggest piece of shit ever, and it's got to cost a uh, tremendous amount of money. So I, really, I think, I I think it might be the death the blow for the industry. Well, and, and there's there's kind of two things that are falling apart here. Uh, Uwe Boll can no longer get money via a German government loophole to make shitty movies. So he can't make video game movies anymore. And then, yeah, the Warcraft thing looks like trash, and that's going to cost a lot of money. So, Yeah, I, I'd like to think it's going to flop because, good God, that's one of the worst trailers I've ever seen. It looked like Avatar, except much worse. And I fucking hate Avatar, so there you go. There you go. Perfect. All right, we're moving on. Sean, talk to me. We already talked about your found footage, and that's going away. But what's the worst yeah. thing that you saw or listened to or watched or put in your well, butt? First of all... <laughs> Mine was a was a was an authentic Dutch clog, but go ahead. <laughs> no, it was a Scandinavian drink in a bottle of clog. Um, <clears throat> I will say that like um, the worst pop culture related thing this year was the dissolution of Grantland. Um, but uh, as far as pop culture products go, as much as I expected it to be Will Smith's concussion. I watched most of that the other day and it just appeared to be really boring and, and just nonsense and not a useful thing, use of time. Um, but uh, it might be the saturation of Pixar fawning parallel to what I think is depreciating value and quality. Um, That's that, fair. That uh, I've hesitate to say culminate because i feel like they're going to keep going down this trek that i cannot stand um but uh this year's inside out um mm-hmm. <clears throat> which was sort of like the their basic like lunchable snackable film their you know it's their algorithm film and it's just this really underwhelming thing that's just like reaching for these emotions for people and it's cloyingly sweet. The color palette is terrible. Like at the very least Pixar can like give me some visuals that are like sweeping and pretty and nice and refined. But this, the color palette was just almost unbearable. I was going to say, yeah, for a Pixar movie, it sure looked like a DreamWorks movie. Yeah. I was going to say it looked like Madagascar three. Shout out to Craig Rogers, my uh, college roommate who worked on Madagascar (laughs) three. Um, but was he a uh, lemur? Um, I, I, I don't, I didn't understand what was going on in the movie. Like as much as I tried, like, were we supposed to care for the child who is having the feelings? Were we supposed to care about the feelings themselves? Um, there's a lot of stuff like that going on, like mental gymnastics that you have to do. But even after it, nothing was resolved for me. And yeah, then there was like this imaginary character that was like the most martyrdom based character I've seen since like Dogville or Dancer in the Dark. (laughs) 
Yeah, I I didn't I didn't hate Inside Out. Well, I, I hated didn't hate I, it. It's I hated just part the, of the trajectory uh, that I hate. Sure, sure. I I certainly hated the short in the beginning about the the oh singing volcanoes with ukuleles. The lava one. I could whatever. I could have done without that. Uh, yeah, Inside Out was just like oh okay whatever. Um, but I think the other thing too, and this kind of speaks to what you're talking about with kind of Pixar's trajectory with this movie, is thematically it's it's really simple because I mean the whole point of the movie is hey it's okay to be sad sometimes. It's like, oh, okay, that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I guess my, my outrage just comes from, like, um, the fact that I know that there's so much potential that Pixar has that they've shown in the past, and they seem very willing to deviate from that, and the public seems very willing to, um, to I guess, uh, I don't know, engage with that favorably. So I'm just left in the dust, and that's what I'm really um, sad about, that we won't really get any more Toy Story 1s or Ratatouilles. Oh, well, geez, you big negative Nancy. That's right. But I will say, uh, okay, so for what we won't see around in five years, I said found footage, but I'm going to steal. This is, uh, I guess, um, stealing from one of my coworkers mentioned something about this, um, but Amy Schumer perhaps? <laughs> yeah, she seems to be confused by the fact that she's famous right now. So I, I hope she's that, still around. <laughs> and the fact that Trainwreck was the titular Trainwreck. It did well financially, though, didn't it? Yeah, yeah but it, it's yeah. terrible. God. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But I, I, haven't, I haven't watched the series, uh, her series, and I've heard it's really good, and I will get around to that. But that movie was terrible. But yeah, maybe just the fact that she's also just – she outright does not want to be famous. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and you always have problems when you decide to call your movie Trainwreck, but really you're uh, you're a very successful woman. That's that's what she, <laughs> right. Yeah, su- su- successful woman who occasionally makes mis- thing decisions that she regrets. That that, but I mean that's not as catchy of a title. Uh, let's see, Myros, what do you got for us? What again with this? <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> that's that I did that on purpose. <laughs> there are Jake, other people on this. Jake, go ahead. <laughs> um. I'm no, no, but Myros, I don't want to cut you off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jake, go ahead. It's all right. Um, I'm going to combine my answers. And the worst thing that I saw this year, or one of the worst things, and then also something that people won't care about five years from now, uh, was Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, Jesus. I think, uh, I think it's just going to – it was one of the worst films I saw this year. If you can read on OptimismVaccine.com, I wrote a bottom five uh, films of the year. That was one of them. Um, I think uh, – it, and it made a lot of money too. It made like half a million mm-hmm. worldwide. But I think that's probably the most the series is going to make. The next two will probably have diminishing returns. And uh, I just think it will just be like look back as this silly fad and everyone will be like, oh, what were we thinking when we saw this these movies? And I think in five years nobody's going to care. Kind of oh, like absolutely. how Twilight is now. Nobody's, yeah. Nobody cares about those. Yeah, yeah. Well, and even like Twilight has its own fandom remaining. But like oh, Jesus, like I, I guess – there are people who like the Twilight movies, and I've seen parts of them, and I don't think I would like them very much. But when you watch Fifty Shades of Grey, it's shocking how unprofessional it is. Like, when you say, okay, this is a movie that made, like like you said, a half a billion fucking dollars. Billion with a B. And it's like, this is not okay. Like, it looks flat. The acting's awful. The script is hilarious. Hilarious. And it's just, I, I can't believe that it exists. The one thing I did like about it is that she's a new age girl. <laughs> Was that a dead eye dick callback joke? Thank you, Sean. <laughs> we didn't find out if she's a vegetarian, though. No, we don't. We don't. We don't ever find that out. Uh, but she is quite sexual. 
<laughs> Man, fuck God, stop singing that song. <laughs> fuck yeah, fuck that movie though. That movie uh, is just absolutely horrible. Absolutely, absolutely horrible. Uh, it's kind of in the same vein as found footage. It's just like, yeah, lowest common denominator factory churned out bullshit that's just designed solely to make money. And yeah, fuck yeah. It. Also, Star Wars. Yeah, no one's going to be watching that. <laughs> Star Wars, Star Who? Yeah, I'm I don't think anyone, no one said think... Marvel yet. Jeez, that's the obvious answer. Yeah, they're kind of yeah. running out of stuff. It's, yeah, I would say Marvel, but I it, they have like 19 movies lined up for the next four years, so I don't think they're going away anytime soon. And I have a lot of hope for Black Panther just because of the <laughs> pedigree. No, I, I mean like, well, what is so funny? <laughs> I'm just laughing because you were talking about the you promise. were trying to be serious, and then uh, someone else laughed. So. Uh, oh, okay. It, it was me. I left. Well, you were talking about the promise of the director of Creed and Fruitvale Station, and it's also written by Ta-Nehisi Coates, which could be, it could turn out to be just like not in his skill set, but it's mm-hmm. something that I'm wor- very willing to um, participate in. It's sure. Marvel. They'll probably like tear it out of his hands at the last minute and give it to like Brett Ratner or something. <laughs> that's that's wait, 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 wait. The director of your favorite Christmas movie? Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Do you guys know who uh, Duncan Jones is? No, he's the guy. He's the guy who directed Moon and Source Code, and uh, he's directing Warcraft. And I think that is just kind of the studio is sort of taken away from him, at least from how it looks on the trailers. Yeah. So I don't really know if there's if there's really any point or good to having a, a up and coming big name director on uh you know like a protected studio project like a superhero film because they don't want them to that's like kind of what happened with Edgar Wright and Ant-Man they didn't want him to do his own thing they wanted them to do their own thing they wanted so. Peyton they wanted Peyton Reed to bring in that down with love touch <laughs> oh. the director of moon is directing that Warcraft movie that's the most appalling thing yeah. I've ever heard in my life I'm sorry. If Jonathan yeah, Demi directing some... Ricky in the Flash is yeah, heartbreaking. Dude, right. Dark days. Dark oh, days. Jonathan Demi's Rockadoodle. Um let's let's wrap this up, guys. I think Wait, we've had uh, Coleman Coleman's got one. Fuck. I don't think I don't think you talked to Steve Coleman. He's he's uh he's all cricket to there. Coleman you still uh, it's, it's fine. I've I've had a lot of fun listening to you guys for the last <laughs> twenty minutes. Yeah. Marcus, what do you think about what Steve Coleman <laughs> thinks is the worst thing in twenty fifteen? No, okay, the Steve. Boss Gags record. Yeah, Steve, go ahead. Uh, it's a Boss Gags record, and uh, <laughs> just kidding, Jesus. Uh, I well, sincerely as as, like, hope I don't you know are. If this is like the worst thing I've seen, but uh, I think uh, we're not going to be talking about Omi in five years, what? or as I like to call him, the Lou Bega of 2015. <laughs> the guys, the guy who does Cheerleader. Oh, I don't, I don't think we're going to be talking about that in five years. <laughs> no, probably not. I think that's fair to say. Um, otherwise, like something that I really hope. <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you hate? I, li- my, I hate uh, Bill Murray fandom. I really do. I just think like it's peaking this year with uh, a very Murray Christmas. Oh, yeah. That's and, uh, the- Wait, you didn't see yeah. Rock the Casbah? <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> my uncle really wanted to go see that with me. And like I put it off for like two weeks, and lucky I did because it was already out of the theaters. Wait, did you did you say uh, did you say instead I'm gonna rock the couch bra? 
<laughs> That's a good text to send to your uncle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I know the New York Times just a few weeks ago wrote this article, the peculiar ascent of Bill Murray to secular saint, and just the deification of him is just it's getting really fucking old. And like I love Bill Murray in certain movies, like I think his film career at least until Rock the Cashpaw is mostly unimpeachable. I mean, he Garfield. definitely had like a few shitty things. <laughs> That's a funny story, though, because he just did Garfield because he thought he was working with the Coen brothers. <laughs> yeah, um, but also, true. like, in a year where we're, you know, we're, you know, Bill Cosby is finally getting charged for sexual assault and where we're holding celebrities to a higher standard, at least as far as like how they're supposed to behave and how they're we're not supposed to accept people as monsters. People often gloss over the fact that uh, Bill Murray was like a complete abusive asshole to his wife, like in the late two thousands. And I don't think, I think if we're not going to give a pass to people like Cosby and we shouldn't, we shouldn't really be giving him a pass either. Um, So yeah, like just seeing that kind of thing play out has really pissed me off and I don't know. It sucks. And a, and a Murray, very Murray Christmas was god-awful. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of weird. That was a weird one. I, I didn't understand. Like, I didn't know if it was trying to be funny, if it was trying to, like, spoof old Christmas specials, or if it was just trying to be one. It was That was a weird watch. Remember when Phoenix was good, though? Yeah, they were very French in that movie. Uh, you know, instead of putting something over this week, because basically all we've been doing is putting shit over for, like, two hours... Uh, I think we should probably end with what our pop culture resolution is for 2016. What are, what are we going to do in 2016? Uh, and for me, I have two missions. One, I have a backlog, a giant like uh, Google Doc of things that I need to watch, and those things are going to get watched. I want I want that to be smaller at the end of 2016 than it is now because it's just like doubled in size this year. Uh, and the other thing I want to do is I want to go back through my own movie collection and actually watch some of the things that I haven't seen in a few years that are just collecting dust on my shelf instead of just having them sit there in their little plastic cases. So I'm going to watch more shit. Uh, Jake, how about you? That's really good. Uh, I like that because I actually own a bunch of stuff that I haven't watched yet, so I should try to get through some of those. Um, also, I should probably watch well, – I think what I'm going to do is explore more television shows because I'm mostly just about movies, but as like things like Mad Men, I only discovered like just barely over a year ago and uh, far ago, and I just there's these things out there that can be just as good, if not better, than most movies out in theaters, and so I think they're you know I need to take more chances on television, and it, it's kind of you know more about the long haul with TV shows, um, but you know that's uh, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna watch more television. Good choice, Coleman. Yeah. What you got for us? I uh, I just want to go to the movies more often. I really need to get out to the movie theater, hey, the cinema. I'll tell you what. You want to go on a date with me this weekend and see uh, Point Break? It's the Point Break of a new generation. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, let's do it. All right, we're doing it. Um, yeah, and 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 again, I'll be going more often in 2016 as long as Hollywood gets their act together and comes up with good movies. Am I right? Oh my! Is that wait wait, Steve? Are, are you gone? Is that David Lurison from uh, the Shepherd Express? <laughs> <laughs> I hear that guy hates Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh my! God. Sean, how about you? 
Uh, um, like uh, yourself and Jake said, I have a lot of stuff that I have owned for years that I haven't watched, but I am going to keep that in the back seat uh, while I go shopping in the, in the supermarket, just like I do with my child. Um, but <laughs> instead, I am going to... Um, I've been coming home from work and um, listening to like listening to music in the evening as opposed to just coming home and assuming that like I'm just going to turn on the TV and um, put on a show that I want to watch or put on some basketball. And I want to want to listen to more music that I have that I like that I just don't get around to, um, which will make for more writing and reading. And then that will make room for appointment viewing. So um, when I do want to turn on the TV to watch something. I want to have something specific in mind instead of just browsing around all these streaming things. So, um, and also, <clears throat> last year was my first full year out of grad school, and um, that helped me remember all of the joys of personal reading. And so, I think this will help me continue to increase my reading load. Good, good choice. Good choice, Myros. I know you told me earlier that you really wanted to watch uh, the entire series of Long Island Medium. But before you get to that, is there any other pop culture resolutions that you have? Uh, mine is uh, kind of the opposite of Jake's. I'm going the total opposite direction. Whereas I kind of made Jake's resolution about three years ago to kind of get into TV. And uh, yeah, that takes all of your time. So I feel like I'm kind of woefully behind on film. And there's so many like I, we just I just got Hulu and I'm looking through the Criterion and just – Seeing all the gaps, and uh, you know, I used to consider myself a film buff, but I feel like I'm just woefully inept at that, and I need to get back on the horse and, uh, yeah, watch movies. It's you time should. to watch movies. Hey, man, you should watch Ace in the Hole. It's really good. I watched it on. Ooh, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good one. That's that's where you should start. Watch Ace in the Hole. It's fucking great. All right, guys, you like that one too. It's super pessimistic. Oh yeah, it's it's yeah, right yeah, up your yeah, alley. Yeah. It's it's definitely an Adam Myros movie. Uh, well. <laughs> Guys, uh, you know, if, if you're listening right now, do us a big favor. Head over to iTunes. Give our podcast a review. We need reviews. We need, the, we need the stars. We need the written reviews. When you rate our podcast and you actually write a review, it makes the podcast more visible. So, you know what? Even if you think we're eh, pretty good but not great, whatever, that's fine. But, yeah, write that review. Give us, give us the, the star rating. Five is a good number. If you're thinking of a number that you want to give in terms of stars, five, I like five stars, personally. Yeah, uh, if you don't like it, just pretend it's out. Yeah, just, like just pretend, but it is, yeah. it is about ethics in iTunes rating. Yeah, ethics in iTunes rating, totally. Uh, but yeah, when you do that, then it makes our podcast more visible, and then more people can listen, and then we can do more cool shit. Also, make sure you head over to OptimismVaccine.com. we got a bunch of top five end-of-the-year lists that you can read. Some of the stuff we talked about today on the show... A lot of things, though, we did not discuss, and you can read all about those. we got plenty of articles. we got that beer article coming your way, all kinds of good stuff on Optimism Vaccine. And you can follow us on Twitter at Optimism Vaccine, and you can email us optimismvaccine at gmail.com if you have anything you want to talk about. Maybe we'll read your shit on air. Uh, if you want to do some like sexy fan fiction with Adam Myros and Steve Coleman, that would be good. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter, Twitter handle is at Steve Cuff. Sean, what's your Twitter handle? At M-R-G-L-I-N-I-S, and I will say that Lil B, the bass god, just gave me a follow yesterday Boom. out okay. of nowhere. Oh, my God. Your cloud score is through the roof. Jake, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Lance Stargrove. 
Um, it's a movie reference. Ah. Uh, nobody cool has followed me recently, so. Oh, right. wait, wait, wait. And after Little B, uh, the voice of Siri followed me. Like, oh, wow. the woman. The titular Siri. That's exciting. You're just, you're making all kinds of friends out there with your Her hot tweets. Her name's Seriously Susan. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Steve Coleman, where do we find you? Uh, on Twitter, at Colmania, and that is at K-O-H-L-M-A-N-I-A. Adam Myros, uh, what's your what's your username on Kaza, man? I want to download some uh, <laughs> some Bob Skaggs from your bro. Encinoman.com. Yeah. As as always, the, the good folks can uh, catch me on AIM at uh, Myrosity. <laughs> M-I-R-O-S-I-T-Y. What's, what's your name on the IMDb forums? Uh, uh, probably the same thing. Who the hell knows? <laughs> oh, I remember mine. Do you guys actually know yours? No, I, I never post on IMDb. I would I would always read them. But I never, I never, I remember mine. I lurked. I think I remember yours too, Sean. Mine for a while was Captain Kogor, but now it's obsolete vernacular. Yeah, that's the one I know. I would totally change if I used that. Well, it's too late now. All right, guys, thanks a lot for talking about your favorite and least favorite stuff from 2015. Uh, We will be back next week with a very special Phil Collins podcast. No, I'm not making that up. Steve Coleman, the last word is yours. Susu, see you later. <laughs> <laughs>